Section 24 of Sermons on Several Occasions, First Series. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Sermons on Several Occasions, First Series, by John Wesley. Upon Our Lord's Sermon on the Mount, Discourse 4. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt hath lost its savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out, and trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew five thirteen to 16 The beauty of holiness, of that inward man of the heart, which is renewed after the image of God, cannot but strike every eye which God hath opened, every enlightened understanding. The ornament of a meek, humble, loving spirit will at least excite the approbation of all those who are capable in any degree of discerning spiritual good and evil. From the hour men begin to emerge out of the darkness which covers the giddy, unthinking world, they cannot but perceive how desirable a thing it is to be thus transformed into the likeness of him that created us. This inward religion bears the shape of God so visibly impressed upon it, that a soul must be wholly immersed in flesh and blood when he can doubt of its divine original. We may say of this, in a secondary sense, even as of the Son of God himself, that it is the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. Apaugasma tes doxe auto, the beaming forth of his eternal glory, and yet so tempered and softened, that even the children of men may herein see God and live. Caracter tes hypostasos auto, the character, the stamp, the living impression of his person, who is the fountain of beauty and love, the original source of all excellency and perfection. If religion, therefore, were carried no farther than this, they could have no doubt concerning it. They should have no objection against pursuing it with the whole ardour of their souls. But why, say they, is it clogged with other things? What need of loading it with doing and suffering? These are what damps the vigour of the soul, and sinks it down to earth again. Is it not enough to follow after charity, to soar upon the wings of love? Will it not suffice to worship God who is a spirit, with the spirit of our minds, without encumbering ourselves with outward things, or even thinking of them at all? Is it not better that the whole extent of our thought should be taken up with high and heavenly contemplation, and that instead of busying ourselves at all about externals, we should only commune with God in our hearts? Many eminent men have spoken thus, have advised us to cease from all outward action, wholly to withdraw from the world, to leave the body behind us, to abstract ourselves from all sensible things, to have no concern at all about outward religion, but to work all virtues in the will, as the far more excellent way, the more perfective of the soul, as well as more acceptable to God. It needed not that any should tell our Lord of this masterpiece of the wisdom from beneath, this fairest of all the devices wherewith Satan hath ever perverted the right ways of the Lord. 
and oh what instruments hath he found from time to time to employ in this his service to wield this grand engine of hell against some of the most important truths of god men that would deceive if it were possible the very elect the men of faith and love yea that have for a season deceived and led away no inconsiderable number of them who have fallen in all ages into the gilded snare and hardly escaped with the skin of their teeth but has our lord been wanting on his part has he not sufficiently guarded us against this pleasing delusion has he not armed us here with armour of proof against satan transformed into an angel of light yea verily he here defends in the clearest and strongest manner the active patient religion he had just described what can be fuller and plainer than the words he immediately subjoins to what he had said of doing and suffering ye are the salt of the earth but if the salt have lost his savour wherewith shall it be salted it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under foot of men ye are the light of the world a city that is set on an hill cannot be hid neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick and it giveth light to all that are in the house let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven in order fully to explain and enforce these important words i shall endeavour to show first that christianity is essentially a social religion and that to turn it into a solitary one is to destroy it secondly that to conceal this religion is impossible as well as utterly contrary to the design of its author i shall thirdly answer some objections and conclude the whole with a practical application one first i shall endeavour to show that christianity is essentially a social religion and that to turn it into a solitary religion is indeed to destroy it by christianity i mean that method of worshipping god which is here revealed to man by jesus christ when i say this is essentially a social religion i mean not only that it cannot subsist so well but that it cannot subsist at all without society without living and conversing with other men and in showing this i shall confine myself to those considerations which will arise from the very discourse before us but if this be shown then doubtless to turn this religion into a solitary one is to destroy it not that we can in any wise condemn the intermixing solitude or retirement with society this is not only allowable but expedient nay it is necessary as daily experience shows for every one that either already is or desires to be a real christian it can hardly be that we should spend one entire day in a continued intercourse with men without suffering loss in our soul and in some measure grieving the holy spirit of god we have need daily to retire from the world at least morning and evening to converse with god to commune more freely with our father which is in secret nor indeed can a man of experience condemn even longer sessions of religious retirement so they do not imply any neglect of the worldly employ wherein the providence of god has placed us yet such retirement must not swallow up all our time this would be to destroy not advance true religion 
for that the religion described by our lord in the foregoing words cannot subsist without society without our living and conversing with other men is manifest from hence that several of the most essential branches thereof can have no place if we have no intercourse with the world there is no disposition for instance which is more essential to christianity than meekness now although this as it implies resignation to god or patience in pain and sickness may subsist in a desert in a hermit's cell in total solitude yet as it implies which it no less necessarily does mildness gentleness and long-suffering it cannot possibly have a being it has no place under heaven without an intercourse with other men so that to attempt turning this into a solitary virtue is to destroy it from the face of the earth another necessary branch of true christianity is peacemaking or doing of good that this is equally essential with any of the other parts of the religion of jesus christ there can be no stronger argument to evince and therefore it would be absurd to allege any other than that it is here inserted in the original plan he has laid down of the fundamentals of his religion therefore to set aside this is the same daring insult on the authority of our great master as to set aside mercifulness purity of heart or any other branch of his institution but this is apparently set aside by all who call us to the wilderness who recommend entire solitude either to the babes or the young men or the fathers in christ for will any man affirm that a solitary christian so called though it is little less than a contradiction in terms can be a merciful man that is one that takes every opportunity for doing all good to all men what can be more plain then that this fundamental branch of the religion of jesus christ cannot possibly subsist without society without our living and conversing with other men but is it not expedient however one might naturally ask to converse only with good men only with those whom we know to be meek and merciful holy of heart and holy of life is it not expedient to refrain from any conversation or intercourse with men of the opposite character men who do not obey perhaps do not believe the gospel of our lord jesus christ the advice to the christians at corinth may seem to favor this i wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators first corinthians five nine and it is certainly not advisable so to company with them or with any of the workers of iniquity as to have any particular familiarity or any strictness of friendship with them to contract or continue an intimacy with any such is no way expedient for a christian it must necessarily expose him to abundance of dangers and snares out of which he can have no reasonable hope of deliverance but the apostle does not forbid us to have any intercourse at all even with men that know not god for then says he ye must needs go out of the world which he could never advise them to do but he subjoins if any man that is called a brother that professes himself a christian be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner first corinthians five eleven now i have written unto you not to keep company with him with such an one no not to eat 
this must necessarily imply that we break off all familiarity all intimacy of acquaintance with him yet count him not saith the apostle elsewhere as an enemy but admonish him as a brother second thessalonians three fifteen plainly showing that even in such a case as this we are not to renounce all fellowship with him so that here is no advice to separate wholly even from wicked men yea these very words teach us quite the contrary much more the words of our lord who is so far from directing us to break off all commerce with the world that without it according to his account of christianity we cannot be christians at all it would be easy to show that some intercourse even with ungodly and unholy men is absolutely needful in order to the full exertion of every temper which he has described as the way of the kingdom that it is indispensably necessary in order to the complete exercise of poverty of spirit of mourning and of every other disposition which has a place here in the genuine religion of jesus christ yea it is necessary to the very being of several of them of that meekness for example which instead of demanding an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth doth not resist evil but causes us rather when smitten on the right cheek to turn the other also of that mercifulness whereby we love our enemies bless them that curse us do good to them that hate us and pray for them which despitefully use us and persecute us and of that complication of love and all holy tempers which is exercised in suffering for righteousness sake now all these it is clear could have no being were we to have no commerce with any but real christians indeed were we wholly to separate ourselves from sinners how could we possibly answer that character which our lord gives us in these very words ye christians ye that are lowly serious and meek ye that hunger after righteousness that love god in man that do good to all and therefore suffer evil ye are the salt of the earth it is your very nature to season whatever is round about you it is the nature of the divine savour which is in you to spread to whatsoever you touch to diffuse itself on every side to all those among whom you are this is the great reason why the providence of god has so mingled you together with other men that whatever grace you have received of god may through you be communicated to others that every holy temper and word and work of yours may have an influence on them also by this means a check will in some measure be given to the corruption which is in the world and a small part at least saved from the general infection and rendered holy and pure before god that we may the more diligently labour to season all we can with every holy and heavenly temper our lord proceeds to show the desperate state of those who do not impart the religion they have received which indeed they cannot possibly fail to do so long as it remains in their own hearts if the salt have lost its savour wherewith shall it be salted it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under foot of men if ye who are holy and heavenly minded and consequently zealous of good works have no longer that savour in yourselves and do therefore no longer season others if you are grown flat insipid dead both careless of your own soul and useless to the souls of other men 
wherewith shall ye be salted how shall ye be recovered what help what hope can tasteless salt be restored to its savour no it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out even as the mire in the streets and to be trodden under foot of men to be overwhelmed with everlasting contempt if ye had never known the lord there might have been hope if ye had never been found in him but what can you now say to that his solemn declaration just parallel to what he hath here spoken every branch in me that beareth not fruit he the father taketh away he that abideth in me and i in him bringeth forth much fruit if a man abide not in me or do not bring forth fruit he is cast out as a branch and withered and men gather them not to plant them again but to cast them into the fire john fifteen two five and six toward those who have never tasted of the good word god is indeed pitiful and of tender mercy but justice takes place with regard to those who have tasted that the lord is gracious and have afterwards turned back from the holy commandment then delivered to them for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened hebrews six four in whose hearts god had once shined to enlighten them with the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of jesus christ who have tasted of the heavenly gift of redemption in his blood the forgiveness of sins and were made partakers of the holy ghost of lowliness of meekness and of the love of god and man shed abroad in their hearts by the holy ghost which was given unto them and have fallen away chi parapasontas here is not a supposition but a flat declaration of matter of fact to renew them again unto repentance seeing they crucify to themselves the son of god afresh and put him to an open shame but that none may misunderstand these awful words it should be carefully observed one who they are that are here spoken of namely they and only they who were once thus enlightened they only who did taste of that heavenly gift and were thus made partakers of the holy ghost so that all who have not experienced these things are wholly unconcerned in this scripture two what that falling away is which is here spoken of it is an absolute total apostasy a believer may fall and not fall away he may fall and rise again and if he should fall even into sin yet this case dreadful as it is is not desperate for we have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous and he is the propitiation of our sins but let him above all things beware lest his heart be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin lest he should sink lower and lower till he wholly fall away till he become as salt that hath lost its savour for if we thus sin wilfully after we have received the experimental knowledge of the truth there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins but a certain fearful looking for of fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries two but although we may not wholly separate ourselves from mankind although it be granted we ought to season them with the religion which god has wrought in our hearts yet may not this be done insensibly may we not convey this into others in a secret and almost imperceptible manner 
so that scarce any one shall be able to observe how or when it is done? Even as salt conveys its own savour into that which is seasoned thereby, without any noise, and without being liable to outward observation. And if so, although we do not go out of the world, yet we may lie hid in it. We may thus far keep our religion to ourselves, and not offend those whom we cannot help. Of this plausible reasoning of flesh and blood our Lord is well aware also, and he has given a full answer to it in those words which come now to be considered, in explaining which I shall endeavour to show, as I propose to do in the second place, that so long as true religion abides in our hearts, it is impossible to conceal it, as well as absolutely contrary to the design of its great author. And first, it is impossible for any that have it to conceal the religion of Jesus Christ. This our Lord makes plain beyond all contradiction, by a twofold comparison. Ye are the light of the world, a city set upon a hill cannot be hid. Ye Christians are the light of the world, with regard both to your tempers and actions. Your holiness makes you as conspicuous as the sun in the midst of heaven. As ye cannot go out of the world, so neither can ye stay in it without appearing to all mankind. Ye may not flee from men, and while ye are among them, it is impossible to hide your lowliness and meekness, and those other dispositions whereby ye aspire to be perfect as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Love cannot be hid any more than light, and least of all when it shines forth in action, when ye exercise yourselves in the labour of love, in beneficence of every kind. As well may men think to hide a city as to hide a Christian. Yea, as well may they conceal a city set upon a hill, as a holy, zealous, active lover of God and man. It is true, men who love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil, will take all possible pains to prove that the light which is in you is darkness. They will say evil, all manner of evil, falsely, of the good which is in you. They will lay to your charge that which is furthest from your thoughts, which is the very reverse of all you are and all you do. And your patient continuance in well-doing, your meek suffering all things for the Lord's sake, your calm, humble joy in the midst of persecution, your unwearied labour to overcome evil with good, will make you still more visible and conspicuous than ye were before. So impossible it is to keep our religion from being seen, unless we cast it away. So vain is the thought of hiding the light, unless by putting it out. Sure it is that a secret, unobserved religion cannot be the religion of Jesus Christ. Whatever religion can be concealed is not Christianity. If a Christian could be hid, he could not be compared to a city set upon an hill, to the light of the world, the sun shining from heaven, and seen by all the world below. Never, therefore, let it enter into the heart of him whom God hath renewed in the spirit of his mind, to hide that light, to keep his religion to himself, especially considering it is not only impossible to conceal true Christianity, but likewise absolutely contrary to the design of the great author of it. This plainly appears from the following words. Neither do men light a candle to put it under a bushel. As if he had said, as men do not light a candle only to cover and conceal it, 
so neither does god enlighten any soul with his glorious knowledge and love to have it covered or concealed either by prudence falsely so called or shame or voluntary humility to have it hid either in a desert or in the world either by avoiding men or in conversing with them but they put it on a candlestick and it giveth light to all that are in the house in like manner it is the design of god that every christian should be in an open point of view that he may give light to all around that he may visibly express the religion of jesus christ thus hath god in all ages spoken to the world not only by precept but by example also he hath not left himself without witness in any nation where the sound of the gospel hath gone forth without a few who testified his truth by their lives as well as their words these have been as lights shining in a dark place and from time to time they have been the means of enlightening some of preserving a remnant a little seed which was counted unto the lord for a generation they have led a few poor sheep out of the darkness of the world and guided their feet into the way of peace one might imagine that where both scripture and the reason of things speak so clearly and expressly there could not be much advanced on the other side at least not with any appearance of truth but they who imagine thus know little of the depths of satan after all that scripture and reason have said so exceeding plausible are the pretenses for solitary religion for a christian's going out of the world or at least hiding himself in it that we need all the wisdom of god to see through the snare and all the power of god to escape it so many and strong are the objections which have been brought against being social open active christians three to answer these was the third thing which i proposed and first it has been often objected that religion does not lie in outward things but in the heart the inmost soul that it is the union of the soul with god the life of god in the soul of man that outside religion is nothing worth seeing god delighteth not in burnt offerings in outward services but a pure and holy heart is the sacrifice he will not despise i answer it is most true that the root of religion lies in the heart in the inmost soul that this is the union of the soul with god the life of god in the soul of man but if this root be really in the heart it cannot but put forth branches and these are the several instances of outward obedience which partake of the same nature with the root and consequently are not only marks or signs but substantial parts of religion it is also true that bare outside religion which has no root in the heart is nothing worth that god delighteth not in such outward services no more than in jewish burnt offerings and that a pure and holy heart is a sacrifice with which he is always well pleased but he is also well pleased with all that outward service which arises from the heart with the sacrifice of our prayers whether public or private of our praises and thanksgivings of the sacrifice of our goods humbly devoted to him and employed wholly to his glory and with that of our bodies which he peculiarly claims which the apostle beseeches us by the mercies of god to present unto him a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to god a second objection nearly related to this is that love is all in all 
that it is the fulfilling of the law, the end of the commandment, of every commandment of God, that all we do and all we suffer, if we have not charity or love, profiteth us nothing, and therefore the apostle directs us to follow after charity, and terms this the more excellent way. I answer, it is granted that the love of God in man, arising from faith unfeigned, is all in all, the fulfilling of the law, the end of every commandment of God. It is true that without this, whatever we do, whatever we suffer, profits us nothing. But it does not follow that love is all in such a sense as to supersede either faith or good works. It is the fulfilling of the law, not by releasing us from, but by constraining us to obey it. It is the end of the commandment, as every commandment leads to and centers on it. It is allowed that whatever we do or suffer without love profits us nothing. But withal, whatever we do or suffer in love, though it were only the suffering reproach for Christ, or the giving a cup of cold water in his name, it shall no wise lose its reward. But does not the apostle direct us to follow after charity? And does he not term it a more excellent way? He does direct us to follow after charity, but not after that alone. His words are, follow after charity, and desire spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14.1 Yea, follow after charity, and desire to spend and be spent for your brethren. Follow after charity, and as you have opportunity, do good to all men. In the same verse also, wherein he terms this, the way of love, a more excellent way, he directs the Corinthians to desire other gifts besides it, yea, to desire them earnestly. Covet earnestly, saith he, the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. 1 Corinthians 12.31 More excellent than what? Than the gifts of healing, of speaking with tongues, and of interpreting, mentioned in the preceding verse, but not more excellent than the way of obedience. Of this the apostle is not speaking, neither is he speaking of outward religion at all, so that this text is quite wide of the present question. But suppose the apostle had been speaking of outward as well as inward religion, and comparing them together. Suppose in the comparison he had given the preference ever so much to the latter. Suppose he had preferred, as he justly might, a loving heart before all outward works whatever yet it would not follow that we are to reject either one or the other. No, God hath joined them together from the beginning of the world, and let not man put them asunder. But God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, and is not this enough? Nay, ought we not to employ the whole strength of our mind herein? Does not attending to outward things clog the soul that it cannot soar aloft in holy contemplation? Does it not damp the vigor of our thought? Has it not a natural tendency to encumber and distract the mind? Whereas St. Paul would have us to be without carefulness, and to wait upon the Lord without distraction. I answer, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Yea, and this is enough, we ought to employ the whole strength of our mind therein. But then I would ask, what is it to worship God, a spirit, in spirit and in truth? 
why it is to worship him with our spirit to worship him in that manner which none but spirits are capable of it is to believe in him as a wise just holy being of purer eyes than to behold iniquity and yet merciful gracious and long-suffering forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin casting all our sins behind his back and accepting us in the beloved it is to love him to delight in him to desire him with all our heart and mind and soul and strength to imitate him we love by purifying ourselves even as he is pure and to obey him whom we love and in whom we believe both in thought and word and work consequently one branch of the worshipping god in spirit and in truth is the keeping his outward commandments to glorify him therefore with our bodies as well as with our spirits to go through outward work with hearts lifted up to him to make our daily employment a sacrifice to god to buy and sell to eat and drink to his glory this is worshipping god in spirit and in truth as much as the praying to him in a wilderness but if so then contemplation is only one way of worshipping god in spirit and in truth therefore to give ourselves up entirely to this would be to destroy many branches of spiritual worship all equally acceptable to god and equally profitable not hurtful to the soul for it is a great mistake to suppose that an attention to those outward things whereto the providence of god hath called us is any clog to a christian or any hindrance at all to his always seeing him that is invisible it does not at all damp the ardour of his thought it does not encumber or distract his mind it gives him no uneasy or hurtful care who does it all as unto the lord who hath learned whatsoever he doth in word or deed to do all in the name of the lord jesus having only one eye of the soul which moves round on outward things and one immovably fixed on god learn what this meaneth ye poor recluses that you may clearly discern your own littleness of faith yea that you may no longer judge others by yourselves go and learn what that meaneth thou o lord in tender love dost all my burdens bear lift my heart to things above and fix it ever there calm on tumult's wheel i sit midst busy multitudes alone sweetly waiting at thy feet till all thy will be done but the grand objection is still behind we appeal they say to experience our light did shine we used outward things many years and yet they profited nothing we attended on all the ordinances but we were no better for it nor indeed any one else nay we were the worse for we fancied ourselves christians for so doing when we knew not what christianity meant i allow the fact i allow that you and ten thousand more have thus abused the ordinances of god mistaking the means for the end supposing that the doing these or some other outward works either was the religion of jesus christ or would be accepted in the place of it but let the abuse be taken away and the use remain now use all outward things but use them with a constant eye to the renewal of your soul in righteousness and true holiness but this is not all they affirm experience likewise shows that the trying to do good is but lost labour what does it avail to feed or clothe men's bodies if they are just dropping into everlasting fire 
and what good can any man do to their souls if these are changed god doth it himself besides all men are either good at least desirous so to be or obstinately evil now the former have no need of us let them ask help of god and it shall be given them and the latter will receive no help from us nay and our lord forbids to cast our pearls before swine i answer one whether they will finally be lost or saved you are expressly commanded to feed the hungry and clothe the naked if you can and do not whatever becomes of them you shall go away into everlasting fire two though it is god only changes hearts yet he generally doth it by man it is our part to do all that in us lies as diligently as if we could change them ourselves and then to leave the event to him three god in answer to their prayers builds up his children by each other in every good gift nourishing and strengthening the whole body by that which every joint supplieth so that the eye cannot say to the hand i have no need of thee no nor even the head to the feet i have no need of you lastly how are you assured that the persons before you are dogs or swine judge them not until you have tried how knowest thou o man but thou mayest gain thy brother but thou mayest under god save his soul from death when he spurns thy love and blasphemes the good word then it is time to give him up to god we have tried we have labored to reform sinners and what did it avail on many we could make no impression at all and if some were changed for a while yet their goodness was but as the morning dew and they were soon as bad nay worse than ever so that we only hurt them and ourselves too for our minds were hurried and discomposed perhaps filled with anger instead of love therefore we had better have kept our religion to ourselves it is very possible this fact also may be true that you have tried to do good and have not succeeded yea that those who seemed reformed relapsed into sin and their last state was worse than the first and what marvel is the servant above his master but how often did he strive to save sinners and they would not hear or when they had followed him a while they turned back as a dog to his vomit but he did not therefore desist from striving to do good nor should you whatever your success be it is your part to do as you are commanded the event is in the hand of god you are not accountable for this leave it to him who orders all things well in the morning sow thy seed and in the evening withhold not thy hand for thou knowest not whether shall prosper ecclesiastes eleven six but the trial hurries and frets your own soul perhaps it did so for this very reason because you thought you was accountable for the event which no man is or indeed can be or perhaps because you was off your guard you was not watchful over your own spirit but this is no reason for disobeying god try again but try more warily than before do good as you forgive not seven times only but until seventy times seven only be wiser by experience attempted every time more cautiously than before be more humbled before god more deeply convinced that of yourself you can do nothing be more jealous over your own spirit more gentle and watchful unto prayer 
thus cast your bread upon the waters and you shall find it again after many days four notwithstanding all these plausible pretenses for hiding it let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven this is the practical application which our lord himself makes of the foregoing considerations let your light so shine your lowliness of heart your gentleness and meekness of wisdom your serious weighty concern for the things of eternity and sorrow for the sins and miseries of men your earnest desire of universal holiness and full happiness in god your tender good will to all mankind and fervent love to your supreme benefactor endeavour not to conceal this light wherewith god hath enlightened your soul but let it shine before men before all with whom you are in the whole tenor of your conversation let it shine still more eminently in your actions in your doing all possible good to all men and in your suffering for righteousness sake while you rejoice and are exceeding glad knowing that great is your reward in heaven let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works so far let a christian be from ever designing or desiring to conceal his religion on the contrary let it be your desire not to conceal it not to put the light under a bushel let it be your care to place it on a candlestick that it may give light to all that are in the house only take heed not to seek your own praise herein not to desire any honour to yourselves but let it be your sole aim that all who see your good works may glorify your father which is in heaven be this your one ultimate end in all things with this view be plain open undisguised let your love be without dissimulation why should you hide fair disinterested love let there be no guile found in your mouth let your words be the genuine picture of your heart let there be no darkness or reservedness in your conversation no disguise in your behaviour leave this to those who have other designs in view designs which will not bear the light be ye artless and simple to all mankind that all may see the grace of god which is in you and although some will harden their hearts yet others will take knowledge that ye have been with jesus and by returning themselves to the great bishop of their souls glorify your father which is in heaven with this one design that men may glorify god in you go on in his name and in the power of his might be not ashamed even to stand alone so it be in the ways of god let the light which is in your heart shine in all good works both works of piety and works of mercy and in order to enlarge your ability of doing good renounce all superfluities cut off all unnecessary expense in food in furniture in apparel be a good steward of every gift of god even of these his lowest gifts cut off all unnecessary expense of time all needless or useless employments and whatsoever thy hand findeth to do do it with thy might in a word be thou full of faith and love do good suffer evil and herein be thou steadfast unmovable yea always abounding in the work of the lord forasmuch as thou knowest that thy labour is not in vain in the lord end of section twenty four